giving you my dating talk, okay? This is my dating talk. I love this, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of you, some of you, how many of you have been around all four years since I've been high school pastor? Anyone been around all four years? Okay, you're going to go, yeah, you're going to go, Eric, we've heard this before, and here's my answer to that. Once you start applying it, I'll change the message, okay? So once you guys start applying it, I'll change the message because, 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 listen, shh. Because I think the way, what's up, Cope? Hey, nice haircut. Looking good, girl. Um, because I think the way you date, and tonight's topic, singleness, I think the way you are single and the way you date matters to God. It matters to God. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're talking about tonight. Singleness and dating. If you're taking notes, begin. Through singleness or dating, God wants to love you, shape you, and use you for his glory. Okay, this is our big idea tonight. Through singleness or dating. I'm not gonna do like a raise of hands, but you're in one of those categories right now. You're either dating or you're single. Through both of those, through both of those, God wants to, is everything okay, Rob? Oh, you're married. <laughs> you're dating though. We're still dating our wives, right? Yeah, nailed it. Through singleness or dating, God wants to love you. He wants to shape you and he wants to use you. He wants to use your state of not being in a relationship right now or he wants to use your state of being in a relationship to actually show you that he loves you and cares for you, which means who you date matters. How you date matters. That he wants to actually, through your singleness and dating, he doesn't want to give you a new Facebook status. He doesn't want to give you a, a new cool factor at school. He doesn't want to like, he want, doesn't want to give you an identity. He actually wants to shape you through it and he wants to work in your life. And ultimately, ultimately, God wants to use your singleness or your dating for his glory. Did you know that? That your, your status right now, your relationship status as somebody who is single or somebody who is dating, the ultimate goal is that God would use it for his glory. So we're going to talk about single. Is there anybody single in the house tonight? Woo! All right, single and ready to mingle. Here we go. So, so, hey, this is going to be news to some of you. Shh, this is, I knew this was going to be rowdy. This is going to be news to some of you, but here's one big idea. Marriage is not a sign, marriage or even dating, marriage or dating is not a sign that you have arrived. Singleness is actually God's preference. Some of you are like, that sucks. Do you know that? Marriage is not a sign that you've arrived. Some of you, some of you, you have seen way too many sappy Nicholas Sparks love movies that you think, you think, hey, y'all, 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 I know we're talking about this stuff and it's rowdy, but stay with me because this is good. I, I know it. I know that you're thinking because of the world you've grown up in, because of what you've seen on TV, because of what has been even prioritized in the church, that the ultimate goal of life is to be in a relationship and ultimately to be married. Scripture has something actually different to say about that. Check this out. Some Pharisees, some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, 
he replied, that at the beginning, the creator, this is Jesus speaking, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. So Jesus, he's kind of saying, well, don't, don't you remember the old Genesis story? Because back in this day, back in this day that it's written, men could divorce their wives for almost any reason. In fact, it's recorded in some of the, in some of the ancient literature that, that if, if your wife displeased you in any way, if there's anything about her that you didn't like anymore, you as the husband could go ahead and divorce her. And so that's what they're talking about. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command, that's an Old Testament guy, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, this is where we need to zone in. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it is better not to marry. You see, even the disciples are surprised. They're like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Wait, we can't just divorce our wives if we get tired of her? We can't just leave her? And he goes, they go, man, this, this is a tough teaching. Where are we? Verse, thank you, Mel. Give it up for Mel. Mel, you know exactly what I need. All right, verse 11, verse 11. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. This means people who can't engage in sexual activity. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. This is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, there are some people who choose and say, for the kingdom of God, I'm not going to get married. And Jesus says, this is a tough, cheat, tough, tough teaching, but this is actually preferable. Check it out. Paul says it another way. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried. It is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now about virgins. You didn't know that that word was in the Bible, right? Stop watching The Bachelor. Start reading the Bible. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. That's not really, um, and I want to spare you this, verse 32. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affair, how he can please the Lord. Dang. No, no, no. I am not knocking marriage in any way. I love being married. I'm so grateful I'm married. But in the church, we've sold you this lie thinking that the purpose of your life is ultimately to get married. No, no, no. The purpose of your life is to please the Lord. Did you know that? that that's, your, that's, your, that's your overall purpose, is to please the Lord. 
Thus, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're married, whatever relationship status you have, the purpose is not that you work your way to the highest status, it's that you please the Lord. And this is what's crazy, is scripture's pretty clear. That being single, being single is actually preferable. Now, statistically, like 90% of you are not gonna be single, right? Statistically, many of you are gonna eventually date and eventually marry. So, where I wanna spend the majority of our time is if you are gonna date. Now, if you're gonna choose to date, I want you to think very intentionally about that. A question I like to ask you is, what's your game plan going into dating? And if you don't have a game plan, if you don't have a game plan, then you're just gonna go into it the way that your friends go into it. You're gonna go in just letting your feelings guide you. And I wanna encourage you to have this like really intentional game plan behind who you date and how you date them. So, who's ready to hear about dating? Riley! Riley's just stoked out of her mind. All right, Riley, this one's for you, then this talk's for you. There's nothing in the Bible about dating. Did you know that? There is not one thing about, the, about dating in the Bible because dating wasn't a modern category in the first century. That the time that the scriptures are written within the few thousand time period before Jesus and a little bit after that the scriptures written, there was not, dating wasn't a concept. If a guy wanted to, if a guy wanted to marry a woman, that was set up by their parents. Sometimes you didn't even meet that person until like your wedding day. Can you imagine how awkward that'd be? So dating wasn't really a, a, an issue in the scripture, but there is a lot in the Bible about relationships. So this is something I like, I believe in this phrase so much. And I hear you guys, I hear you get in these awful relationships and you go, but he was just so hot. Or she's just amazing. She's like the perfect cheerleader. I don't know what your reason is, but you're like, I have to date her. No, 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 no. This is true, you guys. You can't always choose who you are attracted to. That's totally true. You cannot choose always who you're attracted to. That you're just gonna be walking to school and all of a sudden you may see that girl, see that guy, and, and you know that they're not good for you. You know your parents aren't gonna be stoked about that relationship. You know that they're not loving Jesus, but you are just attracted to him, okay? You're just absolutely attracted to him. You can't, you can't always choose that. But just because you're attracted to them doesn't mean you have to date them. Doesn't mean you have to choose them. You see, you actually have control over your feelings. You, you, you have the ability to make controls on your decisions on your life based on your feelings. You don't have to let your feelings rule you. You can actually choose who you date. And so just because you're attracted to them, that does not qualify them to become someone you date. And that's really, really important. Attraction, attraction is important, absolutely. That makes sense. But that is like factor one in a lot of other factors for why you should date somebody. And so don't let your feelings, don't let your attraction make you assume that that means you have to date them. So here's what we're gonna talk about. Four steps to dating with a design. Four steps to dating with a design. Big idea number one. How many of you have heard this before? We've heard these. Fix your eyes. Here's step number one. Fix your eyes. If you're writing stuff down, big idea number one is this. Fix your eyes. Check out this scripture. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Scripture is clear that before you ever begin dating, it is so important that you make sure that your eyes are literally fixed on Jesus. And you know why this is important? Because when you start dating someone, this doesn't change. And when you get married someday, 
this doesn't change. And if you, find your, if you find yourself single for your whole life, this doesn't change. It doesn't, this, this commandment does not change based on your relationship status. That you've gotta be somebody who says, I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus because if you don't fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, you will fix your eyes on a person and your goal will be for them to perfect yourself. Your, your goal will be for them to change you, for them to become your God, for them to become your everything, and they will always, always fail you. And so as people who love God, it is so important that from the very beginning, I would say if you're right now, if, if, if your relationship with Jesus isn't strong, you don't have any business dating people. You've got to focus. You've got to focus on getting your relationship with Jesus right because if you don't, and it's, it's, it's a caution, you guys. I'm not, I'm not trying to be legalistic here. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to discourage you. What I'm saying is that if, if your focus is not on Jesus, then your eyes will be focused on that girl or that guy that you're dating. And you will try with your heart to make them into your God, to make them your everything, your world, and they will always let you down. And you will jump from girl to girl to girl to girl because you're not really looking for your girl, you're looking for your God. And you've settled for thinking that this girl is gonna be your God. Number two. Step number two, step number two, check the price tag. If you're thinking about dating, if, if, you, if you got that girl that you're really interested to do, check the price tag. I love this story, I tell this story every year. Uh, my sister Jenny, my sister Jenny was in an anthropology once. Has anyone ever been to an anthropology? You gotta take out a loan just to go to anthropology. You know what I mean? I mean it's so expensive, it is absolutely a ridiculous store. My sister Jenny, she was in uh, anthropology with all the sisters. And I remember my wife coming out and she had like this brand new jacket and she was like, check it out, it's gorgeous. And I'm like, babe, that's beautiful, it's amazing. How much is it? She's like, I don't know. We look at the price tag, it's like six million. You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous, right? And all the sisters are trying on all these clothes and they're getting so excited about them and they're getting so attached. You know, when you go shopping or whatever and you try on those clothes you try, and you just get so attached and connected to it and then you check the price tag and you're like, oh crap, right? Like, there's no way, there's no way I can get this. And so Jenny turned to me, Jenny turned to me and she said this. She said, check the, check the price tag before you try it on. It'll save you a lot of heartache. I thought that was a pretty cool quote in terms of thinking about who you're gonna date. The person that you're kind of thinking about dating, have you really analyzed and, and thought about whether this person would be a good fit for you? Now, whether this is the kind of person that you admire, that you respect, that, that do they have the same values as you? Do they love Jesus? Do you know that at the end of the day, their eyes are fixed on Jesus, not just fixed on you? Check out this scripture from Proverbs chapter 31. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Colossians 3.12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. As you're checking the price tag, here's my advice to you. If you're thinking about dating someone, do not date them until you've known them, until you've been friends with them, maybe even best friends with them for at least six months. I know that sounds crazy because you're like, we literally just met on Instagram and I think I'm gonna marry him. You know what I mean? I get that, I get that. And it's crazy talk. I know it's crazy to think about being friends with somebody for six months before you date them. But if you 
will choose to be friends with somebody for six months, I think you're going to actually get to know them. You're going to find out if they're just into you because you're their fling for the moment. If kind of you're the thing that they're just attracted to for a few seconds. Or if they really want to get to know you. I think friendship is the best way. Friendship is the best way to determine if you are a good match. Now, I know there's some of you pushing back and you're like, but what about the friend zone? If we're friends for six months, I'm going to get put in the friend zone. Then you're in the friend zone. Sorry. If, if, you, if you can't work your way out of the friend zone, then what makes you think your relationship was going to last much longer than that? Like, if, if, you, if you're literally, if, if, you're, if you're rationale, if you're like, no, 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 if we're friends for so long, she's only going to see me as a friend, what makes you think that your relationship was ever going to last? Because here's what I'll tell you. I'm, I'm being honest. Sarah and I, Sarah and I, we've been married almost seven years. We've known each other for, we, we were, what, eight, eight years? I'm sorry, almost eight years. Almost eight years, seven years last year. Almost, that's, see, I'm, I'm a lamb, I know, I'm busted. Doghouse, I know, hold on, stay with me. Babe, why'd you do that? Eight, eight years, almost eight years, almost eight years, on July 25th, 2009. But, but, but you guys, shh. When Sarah and I started, when Sarah and I started becoming friends, I was 20, she was 22, cradle robber sort of experience. Um, Nobody know what that means, I guess. Um, she was 22, and I was 20. And you guys, we did this for six months. For six months, we texted each other, we called each other, we hung out, we built a friendship. Because here's what I know. Almost eight years later, almost eight years later, the thing that is most consistent in Sarah and I's marriage is our friendship. I mean, that's, that's, that's the core of our marriage. That's the bedrock of our marriage is our friendship with one another. So if you, if you, if you rush straight into holding hands and kissing and, and all that stuff and rushing into the status of being boyfriend and girlfriend and all that, you miss out on developing that friendship, which that friendship is the thing that ultimately lasts even more than all the other stuff about marriage. Friendship is the thing that lasts the longest. So, five signs. Here are five signs that they actually care about you. So if you're like thinking, man, maybe, maybe that person wants to date me. I don't know. They need to have at least five, they need to have at least these five signs. They are more concerned with your heart and less concerned with how you make them look. Can you guarantee that the person that you're thinking about dating, that they are more concerned with your heart? What do they do? What kind of questions do they ask you? How do they interact with you that shows you that they are actually more concerned with your heart? They stick with you when others bail. So maybe you're sick one day. Or maybe you're not looking your best. Or maybe you're struggling or you're frustrated about something. Are they the kind of person that's actually sticking with you? Not just when things look good, but when things are hard, are they sticking with you? Number three, they speak positively about you in public or with other people and they lovingly challenge you in private. I mean, is this guy that, man, you think he's so hot, but every time you guys are hanging out, he's just ragging on you? That's gonna get old quick. Is the person you're, you're thinking about dating that you're forming this friendship with, are they somebody who speaks positively about you? but also has the ability to challenge you and encourage you and help you to be better in private. Number four is this. They are honest with you. 
I mean, do you just get a sense as they're talking to you that they're just keeping something, that there's just all these secrets, that things aren't adding up? I mean, that's the last thing you want as a part of your relationship. And so are they honest with you? And number five would be this. They respect you in public and private and over text and social media. Girls, if a dude ever asks, ever asks you for an inappropriate picture, you block them and you send them to me. I don't know what I would do, but you just send them to me. And I'll be like, you shouldn't do that. Okay, I don't know. That's what I'll do. That'll be the extent of my enforcement with him. But for, for real, girls, girls, if a dude ever, ever asks you for an inappropriate picture, they are not concerned about your heart. They're concerned about something else. If the guys in your life, girls, if girls are asking for pictures, that is not the kind of girl, that is not the kind of girl that you want to set up, that you want to hook up with, that you want to be in a relationship with. Absolutely not. Now, now, Jesus loves both those people. I'm not casting judgment. I'm saying Jesus loves both those people, but that's not necessarily the person that you want to date. Just because Jesus loves them doesn't mean they're right for you. Just because you're attracted to them doesn't mean they're right for you. Ladies, ladies, sometimes your standards are so low. You're like, he texts me once a week. <laughs> he only flirts in third period with that other girl. I mean, what? Are you kidding me? That's insane. You're, sometimes your standards are so low and that's why, that's why going back to that big idea number one, when your eyes are fixed on Jesus and you know who you are, you know that you're a daughter of the king and so you don't settle for a, what was that? A scrub. You don't settle for a scrub. You don't settle. You don't settle for a fool. You don't settle for somebody who's going to degrade you because you know that you're a daughter of the king and you know you're a son of the king. So you don't settle. I know I love that song. I was just having flashbacks. <laughs> all right, all right. Discernment, discernment. A discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. What does it mean to discern? To look closely with full attention, to perceive, to distinguish something with difficulty by sight. So you need to have some discernment. That as you're thinking about this person, part of the, the five things that they will show you, that they do to show you that they care is, is a way of discerning whether this person is right for you. Check out this scripture. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? This is a tough passage. I get it. This is a tough passage. But if I'm going to be your pastor, I've got to be honest with you. You, as a follower of Jesus, should only consider dating people who love Jesus. And I know that sounds like, that, sound, that can sound judgmental. That can sound like, well, God loves them too. Absolutely, he loves them. But again, going back to the idea of Sarah and I's marriage, do you know how often, I mean, all the time, Sarah and I go, all right, we don't know what to do about this. We're going to pray. All right, we're frustrated with each other. Let's go seek some counsel from some friends who love Jesus. When we think about spending our money, we go, how does God want us to spend our money? When we talk about raising our kids, how does God want us to raise our kids? You see, the challenge from scripture from the very beginning is, man, when you're gonna date somebody, it is so important that they are somebody who loves Jesus. Maybe ask yourself these questions. Does this person love Jesus? What do the Christian adults in your life think? I mean, would some of you be so bold as to before you date somebody, 
to actually call or text your small group leader and say, hey, um, you know that girl I've been talking about? I'm thinking about asking her out. What do you think? Would you be willing? And, and if, you're, if your initial thought is, no, 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 I don't want to ask them that, that's probably a sign that you know they would be a little critical of it. Not because they want to ruin you, but because they want to care for you and they want to serve you. Last question. What do your Christian friends think? That as you think about those that are closest with you who love Jesus, if you were to go up to him and say, hey, do you think that I should date that guy? Do you have the kind of relationships where they could actually speak freely and say, that guy's definitely not a good choice for you? Here's two other questions to think about. That maybe as you're, you're close to thinking about dating somebody, think about these two questions. Is this relationship good for me? Meaning, am I in, the good, am I in a good place? Am I in a kind of place with my relationship with Jesus? Am I in a kind of place emotionally, school-wise, extracurricular? Like, do I have time in my life? And am I ready for this? And then an even bolder question to ask is this. Is the person I'm thinking about dating ready for this? Would this relationship actually be good for them? Maybe you feel like you're in a great place, but you're looking at all the stuff going on in their world and you maybe sense, because you've, you've been wise and you've been discerning, you're maybe sensing, man, I feel like they're reaching out for a relationship to fill some void because there's something going on in them. There's, this is a coping mechanism for them. Are they in a good place to be in a relationship? Step number three, if you're gonna date, choose to be intentional. Choose to be intentional. Address the elephant in the room. The last thing, the last thing any lady wants is to guess about what's going on in your mind. That is a dude, if you're gonna date a girl, the last thing, the last thing they want is to just guess about what it is that you're thinking. So tell them how you feel. That after you've had six months, after you've pursued that friendship for six months, and after you've talked with an adult, and, and you're just feeling like, man, I, I think this is okay, and you've prayed about it, and your eyes are fixed on Jesus, tell them how you feel. Don't be like, hey, I think you're, uh, yeah, you're kind of cute and whatever, like, you want to go do, like, don't trail off. Know what you want to say, and tell them how you feel. Tell them what it is that you see in them. Guys especially, man, I, I want to I ask you to step up your game in this area. That if you're going to ask a girl out, that's going to be a pretty significant thing. I want to challenge you to begin to tell them, to tell them what it is that you see in them. Be honest about why it is that you want to date them. And then tell them why you're sharing it now. What is significant about why you're sharing it now? Check out this scripture. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. A woman's heart should be so close to God that a man should have to chase him to find her. You ever read that one before? That a man should have to chase him to find her. You see, as you're beginning this process of recognizing okay, there's somebody I like and you're beginning to share those feelings, remember that the goal is that you would sharpen each other. That you each would be so close to Jesus that in order to get closer to one another, you've got to actually get closer to Jesus. And for me, this kind of triangle, this is helpful. That the goal, the goal of a relationship, I remember Sarah and I talking about this early on in our dating relationship, that the goal is always, the goal is always to get closer to God. And what's crazy is that as you begin to be in relationships with somebody, you will either find, you will either find that through that relationship, you are actually growing distant from God or the best relationships are ones where as you are growing closer to each other, you're actually growing closer to God. And as you're growing closer to God, you're actually growing closer to each other. For some of you that are dating or thinking about dating, 
Has you dating that person brought you closer to Jesus or taken you farther away? Because if the answer is taking you farther away, that's something that you need to wrestle with. So, in the beginning, you're thinking about dating. You're thinking about dating. You're, you're going, I, I think this is right. I could see this happening. Here's the steps I want to encourage you with. Number one, ask permission from her parents. Can you imagine doing this? This is insane. Yeah, take photos of this. And if he doesn't do this, send them to me. So I can point my finger. First step is this. Dudes, dudes, I'm going to challenge all of you. If you're not willing to talk to her parents, you have no business dating her. If you're not willing to talk to her parents, if she doesn't matter enough to you to go to her parents and say, hey, I'd really like to date your daughter, then I'm not sure you're in it for the right reasons. I'm not sure you're ready for that. And maybe you need to talk with a leader about what that would look like, but that would be step one. Ask permission from her parents. Number two, know what you want to say. So when you get in front of dad, the last thing you want to do is just freeze and be like, I like her, you know, I mean, you don't want to do that. Like, you want to know what you want to say. So have a plan, know exactly what you want to say. Number three, make it meaningful. I'm thinking as a dad, as a dad, dear Lord, one day the girls are going to date. And, and that guy, I, I, I want him to really share with me what it is that he sees in my daughter. Why it is that he wants to date her. And I'm going to be able to feel out during that explanation whether he's ready for this or not. Commit together. Commit together. So after you talk to her, if you're going to, if you're going to begin this dating relationship, you're going to be boyfriend or girlfriend, from the very beginning, commit together to making Christ the center. Establish physical boundaries. This is huge. This is huge. Maybe some of you, you just love Jesus. You're uber Jesus people. And you're like, uh, we will never touch. We will never kiss. We will never. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're so convicted about that, right? I've seen it time and time and time again. You have this holy fire in you, right? You start dating somebody. You start dating somebody. And the temptation grows. The temptation grows. And it becomes more and more challenging. So from the very beginning, establish those physical boundaries. And then if you want to get crazy, bring your small group leaders into that. Literally bring, let other adults know, say, hey guys, we've decided these are our physical boundaries. We are not going past this. And let an adult in that can hold you accountable to that. Number six, honoring her brings glory to God. That as you choose to honor her by the way you interact with her, that ultimately brings glory to God. Share your decision with at least one adult. Last step, number four. Step number four is this. Have a game plan. Have a game plan. Here's what I'd encourage you to do. Ask one adult and one friend to hold you accountable. So if you're going to be a boyfriend or girlfriend, cool. At that point, make a decision. Let one adult leader that you respect and look up to and one friend that you, that you look up to, bring them in and say, hey, would you hold us accountable? We want to have the kind of relationship that glorifies God. And so would you hold us accountable and let them speak truthfully to you? Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. And I tell this to you all the time. If, you're, if, you, if you recently started dating, you've heard these out of my mouth. If you're in a relationship right now, if you're in a relationship, if you're in this room, you're in a relationship right now, here's got to be the three focuses and in this order. And just, the, these are kind of, these just got to be going in your head all the time. Write them on your phone, have them down, remember them. These are got to be your three focuses. Number one is this, seek Jesus first. Jesus first all the time. Whether you're, date, whether you're single, dating, married, engaged, sing, whatever you are, Jesus first. 
in that relationship. Number two, number two is this. Keep your friends close. We all hate those people. Then they get a girlfriend or a boyfriend and it's like, tumbleweeds. You just don't see them. You have no idea where they are. They, they've, they've changed their Instagram account to, you know, Sammy's boy or Sammy's girl, whatever. I mean, you're just like, you're like, they're just so obsessed with each other. It's like their whole life. You never see them anymore. You don't even know anything about them anymore, man. They, are, they sit on the opposite side of campus. That is so lame. That is so lame. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Keep your friends close. And number three is this. Honor God together. Honor God together. This is what I mean. I literally mean everything you do together, everything you do together, ask yourself, is us doing this bringing glory to God? Is us doing this honoring God? Maybe you're afraid of relationships right now, and this is where we're going to end. Maybe you're afraid of relationships. Singleness should be prized, not pitied. So if right now you're like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for a relationship, I don't know about this, that's awesome. Singleness is not bad. Singleness is not like you're in, you're in, you're in hell until you enter into a relationship and that's heaven. No, no, that's not singleness. Biblically, singleness is prized, it's not pitied. Number two, learn from the great relationships around you. Ask your adult leaders. Ask other adults that you look up to who you may, and they have a great relationship. Figure out what makes their relationship so great. And then lastly, time is your friend, it's not your enemy. You don't need to find your husband this week. Like, that could be next week. You know what I mean? You have time. You have time. Time is, time is your friend. It's not your enemy. Let me pray, and then I want you to go jump into your small groups and try to unpack some of this. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you, that you were single, Jesus. That you lived a single life. And it seemed like your life kind of mattered for something. And it seemed like it counted. And I thank you that we have Paul as our example who because of him, the message of the gospel reached us Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and, and yet he was single. And so God, for those of us in the room who are single, I pray that we would walk away knowing that you have us right where you want us, that we're not alone, that we're with you, and that God, there is great ministry that can be done, a great life that can be lived as single people. And for those of us that are anywhere in the journey of beginning to date somebody, beginning to be friends for six months, beginning to explore that, maybe we're in a relationship right now, maybe we missed all that stuff, maybe we're dating somebody who doesn't love Jesus. And God, I pray that we would wrestle with these ideas about what it looks like to keep Jesus first, keep our friends close, and to honor you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.